0: Yes. Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
0: Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is the retired director of the Arkansas Department of Tourism, Mr. Joe David Rice. Mr. Rice is far from being a mundane employee of the state, quite the contrary, He is an author, photographer, funny storyteller, and orator who served under five different governors. That can't be exactly easy. He can hold his own with the best, exemplified by his 1983 testimony before the U.S. Senate Committee on behalf of the Arkansas Wilderness Act. As an author, Joe David Rice has written the books called Arkansas Backstories, Volume 1 and 2, which is a compilation of exactly what the title says, Little Known Backstories and Factoids of Arkansas Folklore. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table author. Photographer, accomplished promoter, and historian of the state of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice. Thank you very much. So, first of all, I want to tell, give a shout out to your mother for following the southern tradition mm-hmm. of calling you by both your first and middle name. Thank you, Joe David's mother.
2: Sometimes if I'm in trouble, she puts a heavy accent on the first. Joe
0: David. Yes. I do it the other way around. Joe David. That's the way I do it. <laughs> as Ernie Dumas would say, Joe David, you are a true Arkansas. And yes, listeners, that is a word. I looked it up. Arkansas is another word for Arkansan. You were born in Paragould, reared in Jonesboro, schooled in Fayetteville before moving to the University of Illinois for your master's degree in environmental planning. I read as a young man you and some of your friend friends created the first mountain bike trail in the state. Is that true?
2: Well, it was the first mountain bike trail in Crickhead County. Uh, It may may have been one of the first in the state because this was back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. So it was an accidental mountain bike trail.
0: So how did that come about? Were you in high school? Were you in college?
2: No, I was in uh, grade school and junior high. And uh, (laughs) there was a 20-acre piece of land behind our subdivision. And we just had free reign over that. We went up there with our shovels and hatchets and axes and created a, a series of trails where we could just ride like uh, banshees through the woods.
0: You are a can-do kind of guy.
2: Well, you know, you have, you're have sort of left to your own resources. We, we had plenty of resources to pull that off.
0: You know, that kind of bothers me about today. You couldn't let your kids do that today.
2: We had no idea what bike helmets were, nothing to do about bike locks. You know, we were just out there having a good time.
0: Or being stolen. No. Or kidnapped. Jonesboro hmm.
2: high- was sort of a Norman Rockwell kind of town to grow up in.
0: Yeah. You know, and if, if stuff was happening, you didn't know about it because we didn't have the communications we have today. So that naivety was kind of freeing, I guess.
2: It, it was a good laugh. It really was. And it was still good today.
0: So they did credit you for making the first mountain bike trail. In the state of Arkansas. You have been credited for that.
2: (laughs) Well, I will take that, but it was uh, a joint effort between Larry and Dwight and Bobby. And there had to be
0: other kids out there doing that in other parts of the state, too.
2: Probably so, undoubtedly.
0: Uh, So you decided to, you love the outdoors. You decided you were going to get a degree in environmental planning. You went to Illinois for a master's. What did you think you were going to do with that degree? What career were you seeking?
2: I was hoping to come back and uh, work for Arkansas State Parks, and I did that for a while. And then uh, they moved me over to the tourism division, and I just stayed quite a while there.
0: So you did work for the Arkansas State Parks and Tourism. They're the same. What do you mean?
2: Well, uh, you're the
0: director of the State Parks and Tourism.
2: At the time I worked, it was the Department of Parks and Tourism. We had a state parks division where I got my first job with the department, and then they switched me over to the tourism division where I was more in charge of trying to promote the state and get more tax dollars generated.
0: Oh, so you weren't out in the world as much as you'd like to have been, probably.
2: I was out in the commercial world, but uh, I Making still got speeches. to travel the state.
0: Making speeches?
2: Going to a lot of chicken lunches and things like that, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Rex Nelson has a great website. What's the name of that website? He was on the radio show with us. Chicken it's Fried Pies. Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken. Southern yes. Fried Chicken. Uh, it kind of sounds like you did what he did a lot.
2: Yeah. I didn't get paid as well as Rex, but it was fun.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. Um, so you began your career before that, I do believe. As an entrepreneur, you were the co-owner of the Buffalo River Outfitting Business.
2: Yeah, I was on Highway 65, about halfway between uh, Conway and Harrison up around Marshall. That was a great experience to go out there and see how people reacted to the river and, and, and what uh, really turned them on and off. That was, that was a good experience. How
0: old were you when you were doing that?
2: I was... Uh, Probably 29 or 30, something like that.
0: Okay, so I'm confused. Did, did it take, how long did it, so did you do that while you were working for the state parks?
2: Yes, uh, before I started working for the tourism division. I did that on weekends.
0: Oh. you Were you married?
2: Yes, uh-huh. Your
0: and, wife would let you go off for the weekends?
2: Uh, Well, she would go with me, so would our two boys. So it was a, a family adventure.
0: I gotcha. And you were co owner, so you were an entrepreneur.
2: That's right. And I got to drive the bus and. Tote canoes and, and put them in the water and pick up people, pick up trash, and try to deal with the National Park Service when they would give us the latest regulation.
0: How did you meet your wife?
2: Uh, I'm, uh my current wife, shall we say?
0: Uh oh, maybe I should. Maybe I should go in somewhere I shouldn't go.
2: I'm. Uh, <laughs> we were introduced uh, about fifteen years ago with by some mutual friends in El Dorado, and uh, I've, I'm the happiest man in the state right now.
0: Oh, so how long have you been married this time?
2: Uh, we've been married uh soon to be ten years.
0: Well, that's a pretty long time, and you're still the happiest man in the I state. I am
2: very lucky man.
0: That's great, great story. Um, when I, you also have been cre- have been uh accredited with uh making the Arkansas floaters kit. What is that?
2: That was one of my first jobs when I got transferred over the tourism division. We had a lot of people coming to Arkansas saying they wanted to go floating, go canoeing. And there was no single source for them to get information. So we put together this kit that uh, was 20 pages long for for 20 different creeks and rivers in the state. On one side, it had the map with all the access points and showed you where the the rapids were and put out points and all. On the flip side, it had a a written description of what you could expect uh, when you went floating on the Caddo or cadron or Buffalo or War Eagle or whatever stream you happened to go on. And it it was very well-received.
0: Well, I thought the Arkansas Floater's Kit was going to be a flashlight, a bottle opener, and a first aid kit.
2: <laughs> no, you had to provide those on your own, Carrie.
0: Well, why is it called the Arkansas Floater's Kit? It should be called the Arkansas Floater's Map.
2: Well, it was a, a collection of 20 maps and uh, all kinds of resources, so we just decided to call it a kit. Is it still available? No, it went out of print years ago.
0: Well, you know, you can make things printed really easy these days. I wonder why nobody's done that. It's probably changed. It's probably a moving target, isn't it?
2: I think you can download it at the Parks and Tourism website today, though. If
0: you were to pick a a river, of all the rivers, it sounds like you know a lot about the Arkansas rivers from your child, from your your young adult ages, which rivers would you pick to to float?
2: To float? You know, everybody's heard of the buffalo. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the Piney up north of Russellville uh, probably has much of a better whitewater. Uh, it's not nearly as crowded. The mulberry is great. If you want to see a really underappreciated river in Arkansas, I'd recommend go down to southwest Arkansas and check out the Cossatot. It's uh, one of our newer state parks, and it's the most rugged whitewater in mid-America. And it's, it's the most what? Rugged whitewater stream in mid-America. In the south? In the southwest. Flows out of the Ouachita's. Heads up near Mina and flows straight south uh, through the heart of the Ouachita's. And uh, it's one of those rivers that uh, I'd recommend you hike along rather than float unless you're a, a really good canoeist. What's it called? The Kasatat. Supposedly that's an Indian term, Native American term for skull crusher. And, uh, <laughs> and people uh, can't get their skulls crushed, certainly get their boats crushed down there.
0: Um, the Washita Rivers, I have been told, or the Washita Mountain, I've been told, is the only mountain that runs, is it east to west?
2: Yes. I think you and Jim Daly had that conversation a few months ago. The Washita's as he pointed out, are actually folded where the tectonic plates came together and lifted up the mountains. And the Ozarks are an uplifted plateau that got, you know, eroded away. So Ozarks technically aren't mountains. Ouachita's are, if you're a geologist. I think they're both mountains.
0: All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the very interesting and accomplished promoter and historian of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice, who was the director of the Arkansas State Parks and Tourism for 30 years, serving under five governors. We'll talk about what that was like. We'll also hear some state park stories and find out what his favorite places are in Arkansas. We'll be back after the break
1: you are listening to Up in your business with Carrie McCoy a production of flagandbanner.com over 40 years ago with only $400 Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner During the last four decades the business has grown and changed along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge In 1995 she launched the business website flagandbanner.com became an early blogger in 2004, founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom in 2009, began distributing a biannual publication called Brave Magazine in 2014. And today, she's branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. Each week, you'll hear her engage in candid conversations with her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting, educational, and motivational. This year, stay informed about her upcoming and exciting guests by subscribing to our Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy YouTube channel. For a complete update of happenings on the Flag and Banner campus, Dreamland Ballroom events, sneak peeks of the upcoming Up in Your Business guests, sales at flagandbanner.com, relevant Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post, join our email list at flagandbanner.com to receive our very popular, all-inclusive, water-cooler weekly email. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie.
0: Thank you, Sun Gray. All right. Before the break, Joe David and I were talking about his life before he became really the director of state parks and tourism for Arkansas. But now we're going to talk about his life while he was there. So you worked under five different governors. Yes. uh Uh-huh. I asked a guy who was in the military, How do you stay in the military when they keep changing the president all the time? And he said, You just do. So, how do you stay, fly under the radar, not butt heads when governors are changing all the time and you're working on a project and you get a new governor? And he says, oh that's stupid let's not do that or does that ever happen <laughs>
2: well I, I wouldn't admit it if it did uh, come we on had, give uh, me some dirt a, a, <laughs> a really good team at, at parks and tourism uh for a number of years richard davies was our director and greg was state parks director and i was a tourism director and i think uh the governors just felt that we were doing the right things we were in there for the right reasons we were looking out for arkansas not for you know one party or the other and uh we we weren't looking for new jobs and we just uh, enjoyed what we were doing i think we would all agree we had the best jobs in the state at the time. And we just uh, look forward to going to work every day and trying to increase uh, the tax revenues and improve Arkansas's image out there.
0: What do you think about our state parks while you were there? What changed and improved while you were there?
2: When I first got there, many of the parks were struggling. We didn't have nearly enough money. Uh, they'd been neglected. And then the voters approved the conservation amendment back in 96, and all of a sudden our parks had about $20 million a year to two. You know, replace the roofs, put in new sewer systems and new electrical hookups for the campsites. And I think right now we have probably one of the top state park systems in America. And it's getting better every day.
0: Rate it. How top? Who's got the best? Uh, California?
2: No, California's had some financial trouble. In recent years, they actually had to close parks. Uh, South Carolina has a a good system. Colorado has a good system. But uh, I'll put ours up with any of those. Really? You bet.
0: You ought to just pat yourself on the back.
2: Well, the, the voters gave us the resources to do that.
0: Now, that's the sign of a good leader. Did you see him just give the credit away?
2: Well, another thing, Kerry, got to, to realize is that uh, our parks are free, you know, with the exception of, I guess, the Folk Center, where there's an admission fee. You can go to any park and you don't have to pay an admission fee. There's no gate. And, uh, a lot of states don't operate on that system. I know my wife and I were out in um, Utah a couple of years ago, and every time we went to a state park, there's another fifteen dollars admission fee, and you know that adds up after a while. What? So so our, poor
0: people can't go to state parks.
2: They they if they had fifteen dollars, they could. But that's the got to remember here in Arkansas, we've done a good job of making our parks accessible.
0: We sh- you sure have. So let's talk about the governors. So Ernie Dumas was on. He talked about all the governors that he got to cover in his. In his uh, his career as a reporter for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who would you say was the most uh, the friendliest to the natural state's state parks? It's uh, easy.
2: It's Mike Huckabee. Uh, really? You know, if you remember, you know Huckabee liked to go fishing and 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 get out. In fact, um, when we were working on that, campaign in 1996 to try to get the conservation amendment passed huckabee had just come into office after succeeding uh, jim guy tucker and you know huckabee's a young republican governor we're going oh my god you know we're in trouble mm-hmm. and so we go to talk to him and we ask if he would just kindly set this election out and let us go ahead and, about our business and he said well, what do you mean i'm for it what can i do to help and he's the guy that got in his bass boat and floated down the arkansas river from fort smith down to marisek making campaign stops along the way fishing and and making stump speeches, and had Mike Huckabee not done that, that conservation amendment never would have passed. So without a doubt, uh, Huckabee and Janet uh, both were big advocates of state parks and did everything they could to, uh, I think, help the public appreciate what we have in our state park system.
0: You know, I keep talking about Ernie Dumas. I don't know why, but it's because he it was just recently on, I guess. But he, I asked him to give me one word to describe each governor, and um, and he called Jim Guy Tucker unlucky and Bill Clinton brilliant, and he called Mike Huckabee liberal
2: by standards back in those days, uh he was quite I would probably use the word progressive.
0: Was it progressive, maybe he said? But, yeah, it might have been, been the word. I think that
2: might yeah. have been the word. I think that might have
0: been the word he mm-hmm. actually used. Progressive. Said the most progressive.
2: And and uh well like uh, Governor Hutchinson, uh some of Huckabee's most difficult problems came from the the far right wing of his own party. And he you know tried to I think get him back a little bit toward the middle. But but Huckabee uh, was a, a really good governor from a conservation angle.
0: So uh, I would have thought that it would have been maybe uh, Governor Clinton, because I think it was during his tenure that he changed to the name, our name of our state, or from uh, the Land of Opportunity. I don't even know if people realize we used to be called the Land of Opportunity to now the natural state. And I think that was in Clinton's tenure.
2: Yeah, but he really didn't have anything to do with that. That was pretty much Bobby Glover out of Carlisle, a state representative uh, who who did that. He, Bobby Glover gets the credit for that. Did and,
0: you and, have a, did you, were you a part of that too? I wondered.
2: Oh, in the background, I was helping when I could.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there one that you would say um, was the least favorite <laughs> or the hardest to work with about it?
2: Oh, Every governor has his or her, we don't have any her governors yet, but has his own uh, agenda, I guess. Mr. Clinton liked uh, education. And I know that we were trying to, to improve departmental funding at Parks and Tourism. And he said, well, as soon as we get the roads fixed and the education fixed, we're going to take care of you. But we all know that the roads were never going to be totally fixed, and education not completely fixed. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had to sort of get in line there. Um I know that uh, Mike Beebe said if he could make one change in his administration, it would have been that hog farm permit up in Newton County.
0: Oh, I'm and, glad you uh, brought that up. That
2: that was something that sort of fell through the cracks during his watch, uh, and he, he much regretted that, I know.
0: So tell our listeners what you're talking about.
2: Well, back, uh, I don't know, six or eight or ten years ago, some farmers up in Newton County had lived on the land for many generations. They were trying to make a living up there, and they decided that perhaps a hog farm would be the way to do it. And so they went through the permitting process, and the folks at the Department of Environmental Quality, um, I don't think were sort of asleep at the wheel anyway, they permitted it. It was probably the the worst place in Arkansas you could put a hog farm because it was right on top of some uh, limestone where the sewage would leak right through to the, the groundwater. And they were not malicious. They just were trying to make a good living. And then they got the hog farm up, and then people you know, rose up in arms saying, gosh, this is going to hurt the buffalo. And so it's been a, a number of years, but with the Nature Conservancy's help and Stacey Hurst at the Department of Arkansas Heritage now, Parks Heritage and Tourism, and the governor, uh, the, the hog farm was purchased by the state, and all they have to do now is drain the sewage ponds or, or pump it out, mm. and the, the buffalo will no longer be threatened.
0: And you're talking about the Buffalo River. They were at the top yes. of the Buffalo River. Which yes. is a, uh, it's a it's a federally protected yeah, river,
2: isn't it? It's called the Buffalo National River. It's actually a unit of the National Park System, but it's not a national park. But it's about 95,000 acres uh, owned by you, me, and the other 300 million people in America.
0: And they were saying that the, it was floating downstream into where families were floating. And it was becoming a health hazard to the people that were canoeing and swimming in the water.
2: Yeah, that, that was with the allegations. Um, I, I'm not sure there were any actual public health threats just yet, but there was no question that that sewage stuff was leaking into Big Creek, which flowed into the Buffalo, and there were algae blooms, and the, the water quality had had severely diminished right below the confluence of those two creeks. So mm-hmm. uh, I, this will be a, a good solution. And the, the governor took the lead on that, Governor Hutchinson.
0: And I can't believe they bought the land. That was great good for them
2: well, they actually bought a conservation easement so they the families i think will still own the land but they can no longer operate a hog farm there
0: uh all right uh let's talk about as the director of state parks i'm sure you've had some crazy questions one time i heard you speak and you said some of the funniest things that you've ever been asked was about the passion play
2: uh yeah that's uh let's see there's so many stories I, let me Let me tell you another one first. Uh Uh, Some of our state parks uh, where we would have uh, campgrounds and restrooms like at uh, uh, one of the Civil War commemorative parks, you know. People would come up and say, uh, why is this a a state park? Because all the restrooms and campgrounds must have been there for the soldiers. I mean, they just couldn't figure that out. (laughs) It's just just so people ask the dumbest things.
0: Uh, why is this a state park
2: yeah and uh, we had uh, there was a tourist attraction up in Eureka called dinosaur world and people would call us and ask for the money back because the dinosaurs weren't living they were stone replicas
0: we went there didn't we son yeah Gray? and
2: uh, the uh, Christ of the Ozarks this is what you're talking about Carrie we had actual tourists look up at the statue of Christ of the Ozarks and they said well, is that thing natural or man-made and, you know, how do you answer those kinds of questions?
0: You're like, it's concrete and 20 feet tall.
2: It's like a, a time when I owned the canoe business. We put this couple in from Louisiana, and it was a beautiful day, spring day in May, you know, 70 degrees, no humidity, big, white clouds against the deep blue sky. And I, I put them in the – and pushed them into the river, and the guy does one of these time-out signs, and over the roar the Rapids says, which way do we go? And I had to point <laughs> downstream. Uh, Up,
0: paddle up the whole day
2: (laughs) But what was interesting about that job Is when you pick people up uh, At the end of the day most of them had fallen in love with the state And they were ready to buy a piece of paradise Now that was say 95% Carrie and you're saying well Joe David What about the other five Well we determined after careful analysis It was couples taking their canoe trip When they were having problems with their relationship And they thought a canoe trip would be a great way to patch things up And that won't work
0: I tell you what a canoe trip Yeah A canoe, that's like having a baby because you think it's going to make your marriage better. (laughs) And you're like, no, that was a a lot of hard work. Uh, People don't realize also that canoeing is dangerous.
2: Well, it can be in the right conditions, the wrong conditions. I
0: have almost died before. Don't act like it's not. More than (laughs) once, I have almost died. Because you get out there in the spring when the water's high and you don't know anything about it. And you've tumped over, and you're freezing, and you don't have a wetsuit on. I mean, you know, it's – look, you're grinning. That's because you know. Maybe you should go
2: in June and July when the water's a little slower, a little bit warmer.
0: I even tumped over on the Cato last summer. I want you to know that was my granddaughter.
2: It was hilarious.
0: It was my granddaughter's fault.
2: (laughs) That's uh, one of those underappreciated streams down around Glenwood. Uh, It's a a very lovely float uh, when you're upright, I guess.
0: And you can fish.
2: Great gravel bars on the Cato.
0: Yes, and you can fish. Uh, I couldn't believe how crowded it was. I'd never been on the Caddo and had it crowded, and it was crowded.
2: You know, now that my wife and I are retired, we've discovered you can do things like Monday through Friday, and nobody's out awesome. there. Yeah, we have avoided doing stuff on weekends.
0: Yeah. That's like not going to the beach on spring break anymore because the kids are grown. You can go at any yes. time. Yes. All right, so now you're an accomplished photographer. I guess you've been doing that all your life. Now you're an author. I've got your book. You brought me your book, Arkansas Backstories. Thank you. Why is it not in color, first of all?
2: Color requires a heavier grade paper, and uh, you're not quadruple the expenses when you do it in color.
0: So did you write the book? Arkansas Backstories volume one and two essays about Arkansas because it was an exorcism for all the Arkansas folklore that you had swimming around in your head for 30 years.
2: Well it's it happened pretty quick uh what happened is one of my favorite authors is a guy named Peter Mayle. He's a an English novelist he died about two years ago and he had a, a great set of mysteries they were english you know no sex no violence but still pretty interesting i
0: like that about english too you must watch channel 2 all the time oh we do yeah mm-hmm. and
2: he also wrote a book called uh, <laughs> provence a to z a non-fiction book provence. About, about southern france oh. and i've never been to that part of the world but i just spent hours pouring through that book and i said well somebody ought to do something like that for arkansas and my wife said well why not you so uh, my books are modeled on that, Provence A to Z, alphabetical listings of lesser-known aspects of the natural state.
0: And they really are. Um, you wrote, put on the cover, right here, quirks, characters, and curiosities of the natural state. So let's just hear favorite quirks.
2: Favorite quirk. Um, I think one of them would be the fact that Helen Gurley Brown, who was yeah. born in Green Forest and lived uh, about a dozen years in Little Rock, and when she was growing up, she really despised her Arkansas upbringing and her Arkansas roots. She didn't want to be viewed as uh, somebody from rural areas. Anyways, you know, she went off to New York, and she wrote Sex and the Single Girl, which uh, was a bestseller. She uh, That's a book that uh, – really led to Carrie Bradshaw's character that Sarah Jessica Parker played in uh, Sex Sex and the the City. City. Mm -hmm. And she's the gal that got Burt Reynolds to take off his outfit for Cosmopolitan magazine. Anyway, when she died, uh, she wound up being transported back to Arkansas, and she's buried in the little town of Osage, and there's more people in this room than in Osage right now. Uh, and it's, she and her husband, David Brown, the producer that did Jaws Their grave sites are overlooking a cow pasture in Osage So it's I found it sort of interesting that she was such a worldly, sophisticated lady And now she's uh, buried in uh, a rural part of the state
0: In a cow pasture,
2: mm-hmm.
0: next to a cow pasture So I'm watching um, um, Henry Louis Gates' ancestor show on Channel 2 last night and he has a movie star on. Well, I don't know who she was. She's a young movie star. And when they're going back through her ancestors, her grandfather started the town of Fargo.
2: It's over in uh, East Arkansas, just north of Forest City. It's is a, it still around? Yeah, there's a uh, the old Fargo school, and her grandfather may have done that. Uh, is is open now as a historical site. A, a lot of famous African Americans had roots in that part of the
3: state. He
0: was a slave. He was freed. Uh, people don't realize this, but when they freed the slaves, all of them walked to Arkansas because we were known to be for, to, to be uh, open minded. We were very progressive. Arkansas was very progressive. And so tons of thousands of slaves walked to Arkansas and set up and set up can and set up homes here. And his her father had forty acres, he plotted it and started an African American or a slave community, freed slave community really. Uh, she cried she was so excited about it it was just last night so i was wondering if that was still around fargo is still around
2: still is and uh, we have a, a, some pretty interesting aspects of african-american history that have gone largely unexplored for instance most of us don't realize the first african-american to run for president was in arkansan uh, a guy what? named uh, george edwin taylor was born in 1859 no excuse me 1857 here in little rock his mom was a free black one of 500 free blacks in the state. His dad was a slave, one of 500,000. And uh, in 1859, two years after he was born, the Arkansas legislature passed a bill called the Free Negro Expulsion Act that basically said if you were free and black in Arkansas like this young Taylor kid, you uh, he, he could be arrested and sold back into slavery. So he and his mom fled to St. Louis and he wound up getting a good education in, in Wisconsin. And he was a, a very uh informative and favored speaker on this circuit back in those days a newspaper man and all in 1904 the national negro liberty party um drafted him as their candidate for president so he ran against teddy roosevelt in 1904 uh, african-american from blue rock and not many people realize that I had no idea so there's we all those had, little little tidbits like that are in my book.
0: We had more senators. We I can't remember how many senators we had African American senators uh, in the late 1800s. Also, more than they've ever had. We had more senators, black senators in in Washington than we've ever had in history in the late 1800s.
2: And then the Jim Crow laws came in and, and ruined Changed all that. It but, all. Uh, along those same lines, Carrie, we had a, a U.S. congressman from Little Rock named James Hines, and in 1868, he was campaigning for U.S. Grant, and the local Klan folks tried to warn him off. They put a coffin on his door and said, you know, you got to cut this out. But he was uh, insistent that the newly freed slaves could exercise property rights and vote and do other things expected of common citizens, and the Klan assassin- assassinated him uh, in 1868 in Monroe County, and to this day, there's not a single monument or marker in Arkansas about his assassination, he was the first sitting member of Congress to be murdered while in office.
0: I think I know what you need to do in your retirement. You're good at raising money. There you go. <laughs> well,
2: I've actually thought about doing some of those crowdfunding things to, uh, because Mr. Hines deserves some uh, recognition.
0: I love that story. Uh, Abe Lincoln, you said, I read somewhere that you said Abe Lincoln worked. Uh,
2: Yes, uh, there's a little lawns. town on the Mississippi River north of present day West Memphis. And there was a prominent plantation over there uh, named uh, Wapanaka Ferguson. Uh-huh. Wapanaka was sort of his nickname, but there's now Wapanaka National Wildlife Ridge over there. And, and Lincoln worked for a, a short time for Colonel Ferguson during one of those trips when we went up and down the river on those Mississippi flatboats from Illinois. And uh, he chopped cordwood. And he, he was he, here for a short time. And he but, lived
0: in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, northeast. Northeast Arkansas. Yeah.
2: And that's something you don't learn in your history books.
0: I know it. I, so I love your book. It's got, uh, each of these is a little essay, so they're only one page long. How many, I can't, you didn't number these. How many do you think there are essays There's about in
2: 140 altogether. And I had over 300 to begin with, but I yeah. I had to call some out. Like I had read that Edgar Allan Poe lived in Arkansas, and I couldn't get that confirmed. I had read that Joseph Kennedy, the patriarch of the Kennedy clan, had some uh, Arkansas connections, and I talked to his official biographer, and he said, well, Mr. Rice, there are no files in the uh, family uh, files that I've seen that mention Hot Springs. And I said, well, do you think those would be in the official files? Uh, I'm a sort of chronic smartass, (laughs) uh, but I let it go. And so Kennedy fell by the wayside, and so did uh, Aldo Leopold, who wrote the Sand County Almanac. Because I didn't find much about him And I'd also seen that pythons Had uh, gotten a start in southeastern Arkansas The uh, snake? Yeah, and I talked to the herpetologist And he said that he doesn't think they're breeding yet Those were the results of some irresponsible pet owners But he also said with climate change Watch out
0: Python's in Arkansas. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the very interesting author and historian of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice, who after 30 years has retired as the director of Arkansas State Parks and Tourisms. For more stories and his favorite places to visit when we come back.
3: We have a special message for you today from the director of the Friends of Dreamland, Matthew McCoy. Coming up Saturday, June 17th, the Mosaic Templars Cultural Center is going to be throwing their annual Juneteenth celebration. The day starts with a marathon and continues all day up and down historic 9th Street. Food, music, fun of all kinds. More information on all the events leading up to the day and Juneteenth in the Rock is at JuneteenthLittleRock.com. JuneteenthLittleRock.com. As for the Friends of Dreamland, they're going to participate, ready to show off some of the amazing work they've been doing. You can join the Friends of Dreamland at 1 p.m. on that day for a tour of the Taborian Hall and the Dreamland Ballroom. During the marathon race that starts that day in the morning and right up until 3 p.m., they'll also be hosting an open house. Plenty of opportunities to view the Dreamland Ballroom, which you hear us talk about on this program many times. June 17th is the day. JuneteenthLittleRock.com is, again, the website to find out all the schedule of events for Juneteenth in De Rock. And the Friends of Dreamland hope you stop by Taborian Hall and the Dreamland Ballroom on that day. Back to Carrie McCoy now on today's Up In Your Business.
0: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with retired director of Arkansas State Parks and author of the book, aptly named Arkansas Backstories, Mr. Joe David Rice. Before the break, we were talking about um, life growing up in Arkansas, little Joe David, Then we were, and then we were talking about life as a state parks director, And then we started talking about his book and the funny stories, and that's really the best part, and that's where we want to stay because the stories are really good. And this one, it really caught me. Acropolis.
2: Oh, yes. Back in uh, the 1820s, I think some of our leaders were trying to be sort of grandiose in this uh, new territory we had here called the Arkansas Territory. And uh, they... Changed the name of Little Rock to Archopolis. And that is actually found on a bunch of maps published in the 1820, 1822 era. Uh, but it's uh, short-lived, and it's back to Little Rock as a result.
0: I like. Now, was the state cap? you're talking about the city was named that, or the state capitol building was named that?
2: Uh, the city itself was named Archopolis. I think that's a great name.
0: It's a play on words, don't you think?
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think based on some uh, a, a, a fine building over in Greece.
0: That's right. That was <laughs> on a hill. Yes. I mean, and then so they so they took Acropolis and turned it into Arcopolis. Yes, which is really tricky for everybody out there, but it's
2: it looks funny on maps. Uh, but in my book, I think I actually show a map that shows Arcopolis, where Little Rock is presently located.
0: So, how many state parks are there in Arkansas? Fifty-two. So now we're going to put another one on that pig farm at the top of the Buffalo River where we got access to it?
2: I think we'll just sort of let that quietly uh, fade away, let the smells and, and all uh, go back. We've you got know, you know in, the, in addition to 52 state parks, we have eight national park units in the state, too.
0: Hot Springs. Hot Springs National Park. Yeah, on the Buffalo River. Buffalo,
2: the Arkansas Post, uh, Clinton, oh. uh, Hot Springs, Fort Smith. and well,
0: Arkansas Post, where's that?
2: It's over in East Arkansas, uh, right where the uh, near where the Arkansas River flows into the uh, Mississippi.
0: Oh, because it used to be such an important.
2: Uh, it was uh, a port. The only, it's, in fact, it's probably the oldest continual settlement, uh, Anglo American settlement on the west side of the Mississippi River. It's worth a visit. Big alligators over there in the summer. You might enjoy those. Mm.
0: Um, do you have a favorite park? I and mean, I just want to mention this, too, though. It's weird that they build parks on top of uh, waste management sites.
2: Like city parks? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, sometimes that may be the best use of that land. It's like uh, here in Little Rock. The ballpark. Yeah, but we've got, like, you build parks in floodplains, which, like, Murray Park, Rebson Park, Those that's a fine use of land because the water comes up and goes out of the way, and... Uh, for building parks on, on landfills. If, landfills. If the, if the um, landfill's been properly done, uh, it's it's not a bad way to use the property.
0: Yeah, but then when you're you sliding into base and you piece of glasses.
2: Well, you hope they put enough topsoil on there, you're not going to be hit with jagged metal or glass or anything or methane leaks or anything like that. It's,
0: it's just weird to me, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm digressing, sorry. Uh, so do you have a favorite park?
2: A favorite park, gee, um, I've got several. Depends on where you go. I, th- I think the uh, Pettigene, of course, is a, a great park. It's a flagship of the state park system. Um, got great cabins there. Rebuilt lodge, good food. It's, it's close by. Some really wonderful trails there, Cedar Falls. Um, I like the new lodge at Mount Magazine.
0: If you haven't been to the new lodge at Mount Magazine, people. It's lovely. That's right You you went up there And Last talked to me into Going mm-hmm. up there And I went up there It's beautiful
1: It's an island in the sky And then there's some
2: Say more private parks I, I love the grounds At Crystal Bridges uh, If you've not Checked those out And the museum alone Is worth a visit Because of the building And the art collection But the grounds Are wonderful uh, And you know Four seasons You get different views through the, through the grounds
0: Sun Gray's about to die Over there
1: Yeah that's actually Probably my favorite park I lived two blocks from there It was incredible
2: And uh uh, if you're going to ask about favorite towns, I'm a, a big advocate for El Dorado. don't know if you've been down there lately, but they're doing great with that Murphy Art District. And they probably have the most vibrant public square in the entire state uh, in downtown El Eldorado. So, really? Uh, we, I was down there just this past weekend. It's just a, a great place to go to the South Arkansas Art Center that can hold us on with any of them. Oh. I
0: thought I had carcinogen problems down there. Uh, it used to. Back
2: in the day, they did have, uh, you know, big... Waste disposal site where they were burning all kinds of nasty stuff. But uh, as far as I know, uh, those days are history, and it's a, it's a good town.
0: Well, I'll be darned. I didn't I didn't know that either. That's Plus, really interesting. They
2: are they've about got the road from here to there fixed. You know, they've been trying to put a four-laner in. It's all the way to Fordyce now, and it soon will be on uh, the way down through Hampton into El Dorado.
0: You testified in 1983 before the U.S. Senate Committee on behalf of the Arkansas Wilderness Act. What? does that mean
2: well um as you know we've got a couple million acres in Arkansas of the national forest lands and most of those are, are open for any kind of, of public use multiple use uh, you can do logging there hunting fishing and all well a very small percentage like two percent of the lands were set aside as wilderness areas which means they can't do any logging in there you can't go in there with ATVs but for people who like to walk in turkey hunt or backpack or hike it's the place you can go and get away from the uh, noises. You don't hear any leaf blowers. You don't hear any campground music. It's just a oh
0: praise the Lord place no to get away from blowers.
2: everything. So, yeah, I'm uh, an advocate for for wilderness areas. It's, you can go out there, carry and uh, and look up and see the Milky Way at night. Uh,
0: uh, pretty hard to do these days. Is,
2: it is. You know, light pollution is a big problem here, even in Arkansas. In some of those wilderness areas, you can hear. Uh, Owls and whippoorwills and uh beaver slapping its tail and you can see the Milky Way and you don't have to worry about stuff.
0: Noise pollution and light pollution are not talked about enough.
2: That's right.
0: I guess because we've got bigger pollution problems than that, but probably like me growing up, noise pollution was a big deal.
2: I'm sort of shamelessly promoting my book, but I have a chapter on quiet in there about where you can go and find some quiet places and I have a chapter on darkness where you can go to get away from the dang noise pollution. Uh, Light pollution.
0: I think that's a wonderful reason to just even buy your book. Great. Uh, be sure that we put a link on flagandbanner.com's website to his book. I think this book is a great coffee table book for anybody that lives in Arkansas. The essays are really short, uh, and it's just very interesting. I mean, who knew Abe Lincoln lived in the – who knew the CIA had secret contracts with an Arkansas organization to train and de, to train animals for clandestine Activities Or
2: that we have glaciers in Arkansas, you know. I didn't know, know we that. had that. Over, um, you know, where Queen Willamina State Park is near Mina, the next ridge to the north is called Black Rock Mountain, and there are some very large glaciers that are made entirely out of rock. looks like a, and they're just, they fill up these little valleys, and they're just creeping down the coves, uh, and it's, you know, like 50-acre glacier, just big boulder fields.
0: Yeah, nobody knew that. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Nobody knows that. Do we have a caller? All right. Hello, Gary McCoy. Hey, Megan Pittman. I want to know what they're going to do with Albert Pike. Oh, where it flooded that time? Yeah. Uh, yes.
2: For your listeners out there, Albert Pike is that, uh, was that great campground on the Little Missouri River down around Glenwood and, uh, well, a town called uh, Langley in southwest uh-huh. Arkansas. And maybe 20 years ago, there had a a, a horrendous weather event a flash flood that wiped through there and it, i think it killed 18 or 20 people and uh the national the washington national forest decided to close the campground because they didn't feel they had adequate means for warning future campers if a weather event like that were to happen and uh they, they made it a day use area and the last i heard is still can be a day use area, but i don't believe they're going to re-establish any campsites there megan
0: Oh, I was wondering, but thank you. Thanks for Uh, coming. That's
2: still a great place to visit. Uh, I saw a black bear down there not too long ago at that very spot.
0: They have the most beautiful trail, Eagle Rock Loop, I've ever seen.
2: They do. If you can walk on down to the Winding Stair area or upstream to Little Missouri, either one of those trails are outstanding.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So what should be on every what, what should be on everybody's bucket list? We've named a bunch but if you were going to say this should, we've only got a few minutes left. If you were going to say this is a buck, this this should be on your bucket list to do in Arkansas if you don't do anything else, what would it be?
2: I would say uh, as your son pointed out a moment ago, the uh, Crystal Bridges is spectacular. And it's not just Crystal Bridges that whole little town of Bentonville. Uh, they've got some great restaurants on the square. They've got a world-class hotel there. They got probably the best mountain bike community in the state, and then of course Crystal Bridges. So Bentonville would be uh, there. I think El Dorado would be on the list. Uh, Fort Smith has got some some good stuff, and then uh, my hometown Jonesboro is is doing wonderful things at Crowley's uh, at Craighead Forest, uh, and then they have some great restaurants in downtown and loft living up now. So good places everywhere if you look around.
0: Arkansas is just booming. You know, I, I like to say, keep it a secret. I don't, you know, everybody wants to bring tourism here. And I know as a state parks tourism guy, you want to bring tourism here. But I sometimes like want to keep it a secret.
2: As long as we can uh, keep the natural state natural and do things like the governor did by getting, dismantling the hog farm uh, and, and, and realizing that if we're not careful, we will kill the goose that lay the golden egg. Uh, I think that we're in good shape.
0: I just don't want it to get overcrowded.
2: Yeah, my... Uh, sister, one of them lives down in Plano, Texas, and she comes up here for relief as often as she can because it's just gridlock down there.
0: You know, people have, uh, they they worship the almighty dollar. And, you know, it's not always the thing you should be chasing.
2: Well, along those lines, Carrie, Arkansas has so many things you can do at no charge. You know, so we mentioned, our state parks, uh, there are no fees there. Uh, You can go walk along the buffalo throw rocks hunt crawdads uh I, we we have a lot of things that can be done at no cost i've got a uh, an article in ay magazine about you know touring through the boston mountains and you can just go up through there and it's just spectacular and it's largely unappreciated
0: is it true that the baseballs that baseball's spring training routine originated in hot springs
2: Yes. Uh, at one time, many of the minor, uh, major league players uh, were in Hot Springs. You know, the Rogers, Hornsby, Babe Ruth, they were all down there. And they would uh, supposedly uh, go to the track and, and uh, the, some of the southern clubs, places like that, in the evenings and then play baseball during the day. Then they would go get the massages to wash the toxins out of their body.
0: And drink that water that comes out of the mountain.
2: Yeah, that wasn't the only thing they drank, but the water was supposed to offset the rest.
0: Moonshine probably down there. So, Joe David, thank you so much.
2: Well, I've enjoyed this, Carrie. I've uh, been a big fan of you and your entrepreneurial activities for years. And as I told you earlier, I've spent some good money at your store, so I I hope to get back.
0: Good, thank you. I want to tell everybody that you've been listening up in your business with me, Carrie McCoy, and that I've been speaking today with Joe David Rice. He is the retired director of the Arkansas State Parks and author of a book, Aptly named Arkansas Backstories, Volume 1 and Volume 2. You got a little snippet of it today, um, and it, and I mean, they're just some, and they're short reads. I'm not a person that likes to read a lot, so these little essays in this book, these, how many did you say essays? About 140. These 140 essays in this 237-page book, so that tells you how short they are. They're, uh, they're really interesting, quick reads. I loved it. I brought you a gift today, too. Well, that's uh, so kind. Thank look, you so Arkansas much. Look, Arkansas State Flag, U.S. Flag, desk set. Do you have one of those? I do not. I'm amazed how many people do not have a desk set with the Arkansas State Flag.
2: I had one when I was employed by the state, but uh, good. I had an inventory number. I had to leave it there when I left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joe David, thank you again for all of your good works. Arkansas is a better place. The planet is a better place. Because of you and what you've done.
2: Well, thanks. We had a, a good team at Parks and Tourism. I'm proud to have worked for them.
0: There he goes again, giving away the credit, just like a real pro. Um, I want to thank all my listeners for spending time with us. We hope that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then... Be brave and keep it up.
1: You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.